This is The Conversation on Hawaii Public Radio. I'm Bill Dorman, in for Catherine Cruz. Aloha. President Biden spent several hours on Maui yesterday, focusing international attention for another day on the tragedy of the wildfires and the extent of the work ahead. As you just heard on NPR, issues still range from water to power and beyond. Here are some more details. An unsafe water advisory remains in effect today for Lahaina and Upper Kula. Don't use the water for anything, and boiling it does not make it safe. Electricity remains out to about 2,000 customers, mostly in Lahaina, about 50 in Kula. Hawaiian electric crews are on the job. Overnight, Maui County announced that the need for emergency shelters is winding down, but the need for housing remains sharp. Roughly 2,000 folks are now in half a dozen hotels around Maui. The state fire relief housing program also has arranged more than 900 houses, apartment units, and rooms for those who have lost their homes. But the program also can use more people who can add to that available housing stock. That whole idea of matching resources with need and doing that quickly is the focus of volunteer groups and nonprofits around the state, including on the ground across Maui. Leslie Wilkins is the president and CEO of the Maui Economic Development Board and is deeply involved in connecting people with resources. She spoke with us this weekend at the group's headquarters in Kihei. Well, the one thing about living on a neighbor island is that we know how to collaborate. Um, the neighbor island uh, nonprofit community here is very close. I think we're the only island in the state that has an association dedicated to just nonprofits connecting, collaborating, leveraging their funds, leveraging their expertise and their reach into community. So that comes naturally to us. Um, this disaster is beyond the magnitude of just our small local branches of nonprofits. We clearly have to work with our national and federal partners to help get the resources here that we need. But we also know that our community may not necessarily feel comfortable um, with talking directly with a federal person without the community organizations that they know, their neighbors, that can help make that connection that you're talking about. So I think that's what we're all doing now is we're trying to reach into the communities that we know. These are families, these are friends, these are former co-workers and help guide them to the federal resources, the federal agencies that can uniquely help them for their tragic losses. And so that's what we're trying to do is be that bridge, be that connector, be that trust um, that gets them the resources that are beyond what we have. We're giving everything we have as the nonprofit community, but we definitely need to be that link, that bridge, that liaison to federal resources at this juncture. You know, you mentioned a big word trust right now. There's apparently a lot of mistrust and distrust in federal resources. How do you get around that? How do you let folks know that they can take advantage without being taken advantage of? All the misinformation that is circulating online and in social media is certainly um, not helping build any trust. In fact, it's deteriorating it. So um, I think, again, when neighbors help neighbors, community members help community members, 
um, that's where we have to show trust us. You trust us. We're your neighbors. Um, we you see us in Costco. You see us at the grocery store. Our children went to school together. So um, we're the ones who must, I think, be that liaison to the federal government because um, because of the dis- president's disaster statement, because of the funding that is coming in here. You know, we really have to make sure that our residents get access to that as quickly and as streamlined as possible. We are here really committed to not having backlogs and not having things, uh, people not feel comfortable doing what they need to do to fill out the paperwork to get the services they need and they deserve. We're in such the early stages of this and people sometimes can lose sight of that as we go forward how are you thinking about this? How should people across the state be thinking of this? Well, the recovery effort is going to take all of us. Um, we're all going to have to collaborate and work together. But most importantly, we need to hear the voices of the Lahaina residents and the Kula residents and those that were most affected by this to listen to their ideas, listen to their needs, listen to their goals of rebuilding and recovery, and then try to help be help be the catalyst to make that happen or to give them voice so that they truly are a part of expressing the future of their home. Um, You know, we hear all this horrible misinformation that realtors from the continent are calling to try to offer money to buy land. There are ridiculous things and painfully destructive things in social media that the fire was set for an opportunity for more upscale rebuilding of um, which is all ridiculous and so painful and so destructive. So um, I think the best way that we can move forward together is to listen and engage our community that was so impacted and let them have a clear voice and vision in the recovery process as the west side is rebuilt and kula you know sometimes kula is forgotten because they had a little less devastation but there are plenty of homeowners that were impacted there that also have lost everything. So we can't forget that community. Um, It was um, devastating there as well. You know, a lot of people across the state have seen pictures, have felt pain, want to be able to, to do something, want to be able to help. What can they do? And this is a long haul situation. How should they be be looking at this? I think Hawaii is one of the most generous communities, the most generous state. Um, We are so lucky. People are giving. We believe in a safety net. We don't want people to fall through the crack. We believe in shared economic prosperity. That's one of the values of the organization I'm so honored to be a part of. Maui is a close-knit community. We believe in helping others. Um, The giving has been unbelievable. Everyone has stepped up to do what they can to provide water, clothing, toys for children, and generously opening up their wallets to give actual dollars. We have been receiving on average hundreds of calls a day just at our little nonprofit alone of people calling from across the globe asking how they can help, 
what can they do? And uh, we, of course, have been um, giving everyone to Hawaii Community Foundation's Maui Strong because we know they have the respected infrastructure and the ability to deploy funds very strategically and um, they've always been wonderful partners so that's where we're guiding people um, we also have people that want to uh, give technology where so we work here in the Maui Research and Technology Park so we have a lot of capabilities here so our tech companies our space related companies were the first to step up to get Starlink's connectivity over on the west side using diesel trucks so that people would have cell phone service, could charge their cell phones, Wi-Fi, to alert family members that they were okay and let them know where they were. Um, the stories are incredible that we hear from the engineers when that first, uh, those first cell signals went up and people got a ping on their phone that a text message was coming in. Um, those are memories they'll have the rest of their life and we're so proud of them for doing that. Other tech resources, people have been wanting to send in Starlinks and more and solar capabilities and batter capabilities and generators. So, um, you know, just cash, I think, Hawaii Community Foundation. We're happy at MEDB to help with some of the technology components because we work amongst the largest tech companies here on Maui. There are our partners, our neighbors. Um, it just takes all of us figuring out what we can do, what is our skill set, what is our specialty, what is our network, and tapping all of those to find something that can be supportive to the to our community. Leslie Wilkins, President CEO of Maui Economic Development Board. Mahalo, thank you so much. Thank you so much, I appreciate it. Support for HPR comes from Nareed Hawaii, which supports nonprofits providing homeless residents with a place to live, such as U.S. Vets and its tiny homes community, Kamaoku Kauhale, NareedHawaii.com. Each week, New Dimensions explores the social, political, scientific, environmental, and spiritual frontiers with some of today's foremost social innovators, thinkers, scientists, and creative artists. Hi, I'm Dr. Judith Orloff, author of The Empath Survival Guide. Next time on New Dimensions, I'll be talking about life strategies for sensitive people. Sunday morning at 11. The response of the community to the disaster on Maui has been staggering. That includes people who have wanted to donate, to, to give money, to give supplies, to give help in any form. That's raised another need, the need for an infrastructure to track supplies and match them with needs. HPR reporter Sabrina Bowden has been following that part of the story. She joins us this morning with, uh, with an update. And Sabrina, this story really starts here on Oahu. Good morning, Bill. Yes, it does. So. This weekend on Oahu at the Hakuone at Oahu's 
Kaka'aka Makai, the Maui Relief Storage Facility opened up. It's a 30,000 square foot warehouse that's owned by the Office of Hawaiian Affairs. They're leasing it on a six month basis to the Council for Native Hawaiian Advancement. And with that, there it will be operated by the nonprofit Makana Oke Akua, also known as MOCA. Uh, Kohia Lewis is the CEO of CHNA. He says the site isn't for donations to be collected, but for the sorting and management of. So we know that there's a lot of crates sitting on Maui, unopened right now, and they don't even know what's in it. It's mixed, it's mixed items. So this allows there to be more management. It allows us to send what is needed. So that's part of the strategy here is to ensure that we're coordinated to provide the supplies that are needed in the moment. It's important that donations continue to come in. This is, this is not just this week or next week, it's gonna be months, maybe even years ahead that we're gonna to continue to support them. And so we need to do this in a way that supplies are organized and coming in a time when they need it and where they need it. And how they need it uh, also, Sabrina. So again, that message that don't send donations directly mm-hmm. to Maui. There needs to be somebody on the other end to get that. And that's uh, they're, they're busy doing other things right now. Yeah, we're at the stage of management right now on Oahu. And the neighbor islands and even here on Oahu, they're in contact with officials and nonprofits on Maui right now. And they're connecting on these calls to talk about specific needs of the community. And as of this weekend, the Maui Food Bank reported that they were giving out all of their supplies every single day. This storage facility on Oahu will act as a funnel to them and other on-site groups. Already, the site is filled with hundreds of bags and boxes filled with donations from across the state. And when I was there on Saturday, they had more or less 75 containers already on its way to the site. And the first round was collected by CHNA in Kapolei. And along the walls of this warehouse, you'll find signs like bedding, office supplies, and canned goods to keep everything organized. Kahala Pratt is MOCA's project director for the storage facility, and she has a background in professional moving and organization. So what you're seeing behind me is the direct um, mixed goods <laughs> from these two containers. And um, thankfully, CNHA sorted most of it out themselves at their site. So when we pull a box, it's labeled. Um, granted, they're all still together. So from here at this site, we'll separate them all and then put them on pallets and then push them to the edge to be stored until Maui lets us know what it, they need. We will be sending not piecemeal, but by pallets. Um, so hopefully we hope to have a live inventory so that we can just share that with them and they can just see what we have and that will cut out a lot of the uh, miscommunication that may happen in between the telephone uh, tree when we were elementary school right we had the telephone and some information gets lost by having the live documents they'll be able to see the inventory we'll be able to fulfill their needs and they'll be able to get their their needs quicker that's the goal boy having a professional mover in on this is just such a crucial step in that logistical potential nightmare. Mm -hmm. And she was walking me through the warehouse and she was just pointing out everything that they've been doing to organize. And eventually every CHNA donation site will collect all the items as well as those from the state capitol and they'll all make their way to this Kaka'aka warehouse. And while I was walking around, I noticed baby supplies like dry formula and diapers, medical supplies, walkers, wheelchairs, nebulizers, and other big items like mini fridges. And Pratt offered some perspective on what to do and when. 
I think what people need to understand the most is that these people are displaced. So they're not walking around with a suitcase and able to carry all the non-essential things from place to place or if they're staying at someone's home in ohana's side bedroom you know they don't want to have piles of things <laughs> of possessions and i understand that and so i hope that our community understands that when we're saying we don't want clothes it's it's not a rejection of their efforts or their desire to share. It's that at this moment, those are not the high needs. It may turn into that, like they said at the press conference, that there is six months um, locked in here. And who knows, in month four, we may have people in temporary housing who need more than one outfit now. Right? and they may ask for clothes. So we really are what our name is, which is a storage facility. And we want to store these things that they may need down the road so that we can send it to them in a timely fashion. So as Pratt was saying, this is a evolving situation and they're planning to be open for about six months at this point. And uh, again, cash is always fluid. That's mm -hmm. the, the track on possession. Sabrina Bowden, thanks very much. A reminder, you can find Sabrina's stories, of course, at hawaiipublicradio.org. A reminder, Hawaii Public Radio is partnering with the Hawaii Community Foundation to raise funds for Maui, relief and recovery. You can find information on that at hawaiipublicradio.org slash Maui Strong. We spoke earlier this morning with an official of the Federal Emergency Management Agency. We got a bit more information today, but also some perspective. Jeremy Edwards is a press secretary. He's based in Washington, but he was part of that initial FEMA team that came with cabinet-level administrator Dion Criswell last week. He says the impact of that trip is having an impact on FEMA's continuing commitment to Maui. I think what struck me um, in Maui was the level of devastation you know for different disasters they're all unique and they all have their effect their impact but with maui and those wildfires just the scale of devastation um seeing entire blocks that were completely you know raised to the ground <clears throat> you know seeing cars you were, we were taken to the area where it was clear that those people abandoned their cars and had to jump into the ocean um, over the break wall it definitely had a profound impact on me. I know it had a profound impact on the administrator, I'm sure. It had a profound impact on the president. You know, because it's one thing to read the briefings, see the numbers, watch the news stories. It's an entirely different experience to kind of see it firsthand, which is why we wanted the president to be there. Anything we're feeling pales in the comparison for the impact it's had on the people of Maui and the community there. At this point, at this phase, FEMA is here in force at the Disaster Recovery Center. For people who cannot get there, is FEMA able to make progress on getting towards people where they are? Yes, absolutely. We have what's called Disaster Survivor Assistance Teams, or DSAT as we like to call them. And these are folks that that is their job um, to do just that. So we understand that people, for whatever reason, cannot get out of their home. They might have functional needs. They might not have a car. Etc. So these teams are out in the communities 
they're going, they originally were focusing on the shelters, but as like the main roads open back up around Lahaina, <clears throat> we were able to get them into community. So they are on the ground going door to door. If you're listening and you see someone in FEMA gear, they're there to help you register for assistance. They're always going to have some form of identification on them. So, but there will be folks in FEMA gear going door to door to help people register for assistance. And when it comes to emergency management, we think of water right now as well. There's a water crisis in in West Maui and in mm-hmm. upcountry. Is, is FEMA able to mobilize further forces on that just in, in real time on the ground? Yes. Yeah, so one of FEMA's main roles during a disaster is mission assignment. So as the lead federal coordinating agency, we will mission assign some of our federal partners to do um, what needs to be done. So for when it comes to water, for example, you know, we'll mission assign an agency like EPA, who's going to be doing, they're already doing like air quality testing in the area as well. So we'll mission assign them to do that. We'll also mission assign folks like the Army Corps of Engineers to help with any sort of water restoration or a power restoration projects that need to take place. So that's kind of our main role is figuring out what the needs of the state and county are, then working with the federal family to figure out who's the best fit to assign that particular need, and then getting them out there to do that work. We, we appreciate that, that work on the ground. And I know it's early to tell this, but how long you expect to have a substantial presence here if you have more folks coming in? What's any, any planning stages you can share with us at this point? I think it's a little too soon to tell. You know, as you've seen from our reports and news releases, there's over a thousand federal responders on the ground right now. You can expect that number to fluctuate, especially given the fact that we are closing in on the end of the search and recovery mission. So we have about over 400 uh, urban search and rescue teams or rescue personnel here. So once that search mission uh, ends, you'll kind of see those numbers drop. But then we might enter our more formal recovery phase, you know, when we work with the county to plan for things like debris removal. So we're still very much in that kind of response phase since we're still in that active search mission. Mm -hmm. But then once that phase is complete, you can imagine that we'll start to work closely. We already are working closely. Our partners at the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to plan with the county and the state now what's coming up next, which will be debris removal. And then once we get through that process, that's when you start looking towards things like rebuilding. So it's a little too soon to tell on the exact number, but it will fluctuate depending on what the needs are here on the ground. Got it. Appreciate uh, appreciate the update this morning. Thanks, Jeremy Edwards with the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you, Bill. And for right now, FEMA remains with more than a thousand personnel on the ground in Maui. Support for HPR comes from Beach Tree Restaurant, located oceanfront at Four Seasons Resort, Hualalai, serving lunch and dinner. Chef Giuliano features fresh seafood and daily handcrafted pastas and pizzas with nightly live acoustic entertainment. 
Wages in this economy are finally gaining on inflation, but for low and middle income Americans, the financial pressures of the past have made their way into the present. It's about the duration of living with high prices. So even as inflation slows, they're still playing catch up. I'm Kai Rizdal. Higher prices continue to take their toll. That is next time on Marketplace. Beginning this evening at 6, following All Things Considered. One of the most critical long-term needs on Maui is employment, jobs. That's the topic of an event that's going on this week on Oahu, the Career Expo. While this is not an event that's related directly to helping Maui, it is a place that can connect people who are looking for work to specific jobs. The Honolulu Star Advertiser is putting it on, and the conversation's Lillian Song spoke with the company's Director of Operations and Advertising, Denise Ching. The Career Expo has actually been going on for the last nine years. Normally, we do a Career Expo twice a year. So normally, we have one in March and one in August. But this year, we have such a need in our community for hiring good hires that we actually extended it four times this year. So this will be our third one on August 23rd. starts from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. But we had one recently in January as well as April. Then we'll have this August one, and then we'll have another one in October. And how much does it cost to go in? Oh, that's a good question. So, you know, in the past, we've charged a small fee to come in, but we've opened it up. It's a free event. Just come on in. Those businesses need your help. The beauty of an expo is that you do showcase. You put things together in one place. What should a person who comes to the Career Expo, how should they be prepared? Absolutely. We're looking for anyone that is looking for a new career, anyone that maybe is looking for a change. And at Career Expo, we want people to be ready for an interview on the spot, have your resume in hand, dress to impress, and come with, you know, a really good impression for these exhibitors, these companies that need help. And so a lot of our job seekers that attend walk away with, with jobs in their hand. Well, that's very encouraging. So you're saying if I come prepared, dressed to impress, have an updated resume, and be ready for an interview, I could actually come out of Career Expo with some job offers. That's correct. And, you know, the Career Expo really has a variety of different jobs. All those people that have education already and are looking to enhance the type of career they're at, you know, you'll find something here. And that's what's what's the beauty about Career Expo is that there's something for everyone. There's a wide range of job seekers as well. So what mm-hmm. if what if I'm not as savvy? You know, for me as a local, as a native, you know, I always wanted to help the next generation to be able to find the career that they want to be here. And so I encourage even students to come because they may not know what it takes to be that that person that they want to be in the future. And so that's what Career Expo helps, is that they'll be able to see the variety of different businesses there and, you know, maybe even help them in the next step. May not be this step, might be the next step, but that's what we're hoping for, for our future, for our legacy. Oh, I like how you're underscoring that. So what you're investing now is in your career. Yep. Define career for me. 
You know, a career is something that you like doing. There's there's so many different opportunities out there. And, you know, I feel like even for, like I mentioned, a native and, and a mom here in the islands, mm-hmm. if you find that career you like, you're going to stay home. You're going to stay home and you're going to enjoy what you're doing. And, you know, that's what we need. We need people to enjoy what they're doing. Besides making the money, you got to enjoy it because then you'll stay doing it. What's that range of jobs that I might see as a seeker? Well, this year we're actually, um, we partnered up before, but U.S. Vets is our sponsor at our show. So they'll be looking for hires, looking for veterans to help veterans. We'll be having the state of Hawaii there showcasing over about 23 different departments there at the show. We'll be showcasing the city and county. They, too, have over 20 different departments that are hiring. Um, We have the shipyard. Uh, The Navy shipyard is going to be there, and they, too, have some job openings, but also some apprenticeship programs that they offer as well. But besides that, we have over another 150 other exhibitors, other companies. For instance, 7-Eleven, they're looking for people in their different stores here on the island. And then they also have, you know, the Kamayana kids that will be there as well. So there's different varieties of companies that will be there. So we're inviting everyone to come. And right now, just looking at our job market, it's the employees that are in the driver's seat. It sure is. You know, and that's that's the struggle. You know, we have all these jobs available, and we need to find the people that are looking for for good work and um, come out and apply. And so you're definitely right. We have lots of jobs available in our community, and that's what putting this job fair together is that everyone will come together in one area and offer our community the jobs that are needed. Okay, and Denise, just looking at today's paper, Front page news, it's saying that unemployment claims are topping over 6,600 in devastated Maui. Are there any special outreach accommodations being done at this expo for Maui job seekers? Everything is so um, so sad right now. And for our ohana on Maui, you know, everyone's trying to figure out how we can reach out to our ohana in need out there. And you're, you're right, our headlines, job losses mount. And it's just really sad. And so I've been talking with, you know, companies here on Oahu as well as companies on Maui. And we're definitely working on putting something together to help our Juana out there. It, it is really sad. But, you know, there's so much to be decided. I know our state and our, our president is, is here today. And, you know, there's a lot to still figure out. And so any way we can help. And, and that's what career expo is about. We, we want to help community. We want to help, you know, our, our Ohana here. And so definitely we're looking at ways that we can help all islands as, as well as Maui. And Career Expo, been around for the last nine years. What are some top tips you can give to them as they think about attending Career Expo this Wednesday? Absolutely. We just came out with our career expo guide last Friday. And one of the things I really wanted to do, our company did was um, we listed every company that's in that, that guidebook that's going to be at our show and the different jobs that are available. So we have a printed copy that, again, printed in the Star Advertiser on Friday. But even on our website at careerexpo.com, you can see a digital copy of the guidebook. I would suggest everyone who's going to come to go ahead and study and see the different 
businesses that are looking for help. And then you'll be able to see what will fit for you before you come. But again, just to impress, bring your resume in hand and get excited when you come on Wednesday. The more prepared you are, the more success you will have. And just in closing, any final thoughts, any details that we should go over? Um, you know, I appreciate the opportunity. I am really excited. Um, we have over 175 exhibitors at the show, and everyone's excited, and we've been working really hard to um, help our community and, you know, from businesses to families to individuals that are looking for that career. And, you know, we're just really excited. And I can hear how important this is to you, to allow our talent to stay home. And so for you, for your family, your next generation, are they still here in Hawaii? I've been here with the people for over 23 years. And I raised two young men. Um, one is 29 and one is 28. And my oldest is a plumber by trade. And my younger is a plumber also. And they're both happily married. My oldest has three children, so I'm a alma. And my younger son just had two weeks ago his first child. So I have four grandchildren. Oh, that's beautiful. And they're all in Hawaii? And they are. They are. And that's what I work for, to help our legacy. And, you know, like I said, I'm a woman, I am Hawaiian, and I want to help the, the next generation. And so if we can keep our children home, you know, and show that there's opportunities here in Hawaii, that's what it's all about. Denise Ching, Director of Operations and Advertising for the Honolulu Star Advertiser, speaking to HBR's Lillian Song. Career Expo 2023 runs from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. tomorrow at the Neil Blaisdell Exhibition Hall. You can find details on the conversation page at hawaiipublicradio.org. Support for HPR comes from Mobi, a Hawaii wireless company serving the island since 2005, committed to providing personal service to each customer, featuring a locally-based customer care team. Learn more at Mobi.com. This Saturday, HPR presents The Mauve. This in-person event is part of HPR's Indie 808 Performance Series. Experience this exclusive set at our Atherton studio in Honolulu. Purchase your tickets online at hprtickets.org. Sponsored by Farm Lovers Markets. Support for HPR comes from Hawaii Theater, presenting Taimane's Hawaiiki, a musical and theatrical odyssey featuring song, dance, costume, and spoken word this Friday. Tickets at hawaiitheater.com. As relief efforts continue on Maui, many local musicians are using their talents to raise money for those displaced by the wildfires. That includes ukulele master Jake Shimabukuro. He recently turned the upcoming two-day Hanaho Festival into a benefit concert for Hawaii Community Foundation's Maui Strong Fund. Proceeds from his forthcoming new album, Grateful, will also go toward relief efforts. He played a show on the Valley Isle last Wednesday, and a day later... 
with a heavy heart, he sat down with the conversations Russell Subiono in our Atherton Performing Arts Studio. When we think about kind of like the healing process that, that will come in time, I feel like music plays a big role or will play a role in that healing process. I talked to Irie Love not long ago, and she said that sound is the first modality of healing. Mm. Have you seen or experienced that kind of, of healing where music brings people together or allows people to, to process through some trauma? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, last night was just a prime example of that. Just uh, from the first song to to the end of the concert, you know. And I know the experience in it is different for everyone, and the, the needs are different for everyone. And but I think there was a, a positive energy last night, you know. And and hopefully we can have more moments like that. And, and you're right. I think music, you know, the arts, they're it nourishes our, our soul and it does support in ways that some of those tangible things just can't provide. So yeah. I can't, I don't know how to explain it, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I think we've all had moments where, where music and the arts have touched us in a very profound way. Yeah. I mean, even on stage last night, I mean, it was hard to, to hold back tears, you know, but there's just so many, so many people that are, just want to do so much and are doing so much and that's all i think that's that's what, what we got to do is just come together as a community and support each other in the best way that we can yeah and i think i really believe you know music music helps i mean yeah there's a yeah music music is a, it's a wonderful thing i sometimes wonder about the way music helps us or touches us inwardly i i imagine that that people sometimes when they sing or, or if they want to sing, I feel like that's that's them reaching for that healing in some cases. I think we see a lot of that, like in church. You know, when, when people are singing in church, there's there's an inward effect that ha that happens on them. When you think about the people that have gone through this experience on Maui, how would you encourage them to? to use their voice or, or use the music that they feel inside of them to process the the experience that they've gone through. I mean, everyone's yeah. different, you yeah. know, but I, I just, I just hope that, I mean, like last night, you know, in the beginning of the, I don't want to say concert, but in the beginning of the gathering, you know, mm -hmm. the community, I think, you know, before I, I played the first song, I mean, I, I just said that I, I hope, whatever happens tonight serves each each person there and becomes what they need at this yeah. moment you know in time i mean that's all you can hope for right yeah. and uh and you know and, and hopefully everyone walked away feeling just a little bit lifted or just have a little bit of that release you know that's so important Someone told me today at the airport that, you know, this is going to be a marathon, you know, for recovery. Mm -hmm. And all I know is that it's just, you know, we just, I think for all of us, you know, that we all have friends and family mm -hmm. there and we're all affected by it. And I think that uh, we all just 
want to do something. We all just want to do whatever we can, right? So yeah. yeah. And I feel like all of us have, even if we're we're not on Maui and we can't help, you know, on the ground, we all have time, talent, and treasure that we can contribute to the process, right? And I feel like musicians a lot of the time are the leaders when it comes to using your talent to to be able to benefit people or, or you know advance the the healing process of of tragedies like this yeah the i think as musicians you know that's that's one of the things we we love to do is you know we want to we just want to bring people together mm-hmm. through music and you know help to spread you know some some support and joy and some love and so this concert was actually um it was going to be the first time that we kind of did like a festival like a music festival thing at the Hoi theater and but then of course once once we got word of what was happening you know and with the fires we sent out a memo to all the artists you know that were performing and we said hey you know we want to we're going to pivot to a benefit you know uh, for the Hoi community foundation and all the artists, you know, including the the artists that are flying in from outside of Hawaii, like the Jets are playing, Keiko Matsui, jazz pianist, a girl named Tom, Mick Fleetwood is coming, you know, from Maui, you know, so I'm so, so thrilled that they're all going to be there to support. And yeah, Mick has been such a, such a, an advocate, right, for yeah. helping to bring in more support. And, and a lot of local artists that you know my heroes people like brother nolan you know they're going to be there right to helm it's going to be there uh, jeff peterson another right. maui maui boy you know, right mm-hmm. you know they're all they're all coming to to show their support and uh you know we're just all trying to do whatever whatever we can and you know it's 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 just getting the word out you know yeah. of how people can can support and like I said, you know, the, the more people that can help to spread the word of what the Hawaii Community Foundation yeah. is doing, that's all we're trying to do, you know, is get the word out. And I think collectively, you know, that's what a lot of artists are doing. If you see those those QR codes, mm-hmm. you know, with the Maui Strong Fund, you know, that's that's the organization. Yeah. Yeah. So great to see a lot of beloved a lot of classic musicians coming together to help support the Maui community. I know Mick Fleetwood, longtime resident of mm-hmm. Maui, right? Yeah. Jeff Peterson, born and raised on Maui. Nice to see the Jets coming back. I, I remember them from, from yeah, when I was a, back I was in the a day. Big fan. I yeah. love their music. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. It's um I know it just feels feels weird to, to be talking about concerts and music, yeah. you know, right now. But you know, I mean you know, I have heard firsthand, you know, from from people that said, you know, it's, it it is, you know, one of the the needs, you know. And uh, would you be willing to play something that maybe is an expression of how you feel for the people on Maui? Oh yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, I it's much easier for me to communicate you know my thoughts and things you know through through the ukulele yeah i just i just feel like whenever i talk i'm just rambling (laughs) you know i just uh, you're just trying to find the the words and you know and yeah and sometimes you know i mean there really are no words you know but uh yeah i would love to play something yeah but this is um ichigo ichi it really um, i don't know for me it really uh 
especially like during the pandemic and stuff like that that i mean it's really like a like a way of life you know philosophy so
Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you coming in. And thank you for supporting the people on Maui. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Reflections on Maui in music and thoughts from Jake Shimibakuro. Talking with HBR's Russell Subiono. The Hanaho Music Festival, benefiting the Hawaii Community Foundation's Maui Strong Fund, will be held at the Hawaii Theater on Friday, September 8th, and Saturday, September 9th. We'll have a link to information on the conversation page for our website later today. That is the conversation for today. Tomorrow, we'll tell you more about Help for Maui. We'll hear from a key member of Maui's business community, the co-founder and CEO of the Maui Brewing Company, Garrett Marrero. Got feedback? You can share your comments or questions about what you've heard by calling our talkback line at 808-792-8217. You can email us at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. You can also find the Conversation podcast on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you tune in. I'm Bill Dorman filling in for Catherine Cruz this week. Join us tomorrow for more of the Conversation. <laughs>